Welcome to today's podcast by Preacher, as he provides sound teaching on the pure and undiluted truth of God's Word, with life application that inspires you to live a holy life pleasing to God. We pray that these teachings will inspire you to live out your faith daily with confidence, be assured of your salvation in Christ, and God's unconditional love for you. this morning will be taken from the book of Philippians. The Apostle Paul is speaking and saying to a body of Christian believers like you and me, these words of counsel. He, say, he is saying, we do not put any trust in external ceremonies. I could, of course, put my trust in such things if anyone thinks he can be safe and external ceremonies. I have even more reason to feel that way. I was circumcised when I was a week old. I am an Israelite by birth of the tribe of Benjamin, a pure-blooded Hebrew. So far as keeping the Jewish law is concerned, I was a Pharisee, and I was so zealous that I persecuted the church. So far as a man can be righteous by obeying the commandments of the law, I was without fault. But all these things that I might count on as profit, I now reckon as loss for Christ's sake. Not only those things, I reckon everything as complete loss for the sake of what is so much more valuable, the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have thrown away everything. I consider it all as mere garbage, so that I might gain Christ. And by completely uniting with him, no longer do I have a righteousness of my own, the kind to be gained by obeying the law, and I have the righteousness that is given through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is based on faith. All I want is to know Christ and experience the power of his resurrection, to share in his sufferings and become like him in death in the hope that I myself will be raised from death to life. I do not claim that I have already succeeded in this or have already become perfect. I keep going on to try to possess it, for Christ's sake has already possessed me. Of course... Brothers, I really do not think that I have already reached it. The one thing I do, however, is to forget what is behind me and do my best to reach what is ahead. So I run straight toward the goal in order to win the prize, which is God's call through Christ Jesus to the life above. All of us who are spiritually mature should have the same attitude. If, however, some of you have a different attitude... God will make this clear to you. However, that may be, let us go forward according to the same rule we have following, followed until now. Lord, help us to understand that you're trying to talk to us about a way of life. And the scripture verse that would be good to keep in mind this morning as we think together is that 13th verse. Where Paul is saying, this one thing I do, forget what is past, and looking forward to the future. The professional way to feel guilty. 
If I asked you how you felt this morning, I guess the uniqueness of the situation would be up to the individual and we would have all kinds of feelings expressed here from one extreme to the other and all different kinds of shades in the spectrum of, of being able to have emotions and feelings. But there are two feelings that you can have that are in all probability of two of the most worthless ones that you can be involved in. And one of them happens to be worry that we talked about last Sunday and the other one happens to be guilt. Now picture with me, if you will, please, that you're standing on a basketball court floor and put yourself in your mind's eye at the center line. And as you stand, you can face in one direction and then you turn around and you look in the other direction. You seem duplicated, the very same thing. Now, if it's laid out like our church area is more in the north, uh, east, and west position, well, you stand and you can look into the east and there's a place where you haven't been in your mind's eye. There's where you're going. You still look, got that ahead of you. You turn around and look in the west direction and there's where you have been. And that's the ground that you've already covered. Now, I would call to your attention uh, that you notice that this is the same floor that you play the game on. This is the same floor that you play the life, the game of life on. At one end of it is worry, the future. And at the other end of it is guilt, what you have done and what you have already covered. Now, it's also interesting to note, if you have not thought about it, that from the one and the same soul, from one and the same spring that flows the worrying about the future is almost one and the same spring from which flows guilt. Two feelings that you can have that most of us deal with within our society and most of us from time to time are absolutely annihilated and devastated by the feelings of, of guilt. What can we do in order that we might be able to make ourselves more capable of making the most of the opportunity that is before us today? But things we're going to deal with uh, feeling guilty. And if you're one that has not had to deal with this problem, dear friends, count yourself very fortunate. And you can say amen to some of the things that I'm going to say this morning. And those of you who find that you have to deal with this, think carefully about to what the Apostle Paul is trying to say to us. Now, I want to approach the Scripture in this fashion so that we'd have a greater understanding of what this man is really talking about when he's talking about that there's a way of life that we can really live that can be absolutely fantastic. But now for us to be able to reach that, let us look at it in this way. You want to feel so guilty about the past that you've got to be completely neutralized in this moment. You've got to feel so guilty that you'll reach the state of double zero, where you're about to go completely out of your tree and where you can make no sense out of what is going to come tomorrow. But now for you to be able to do that, you've got to understand you're going to be an expert and a pro at this situation from whence guilt comes. 
What is the history of it? Now, mainly, we have really two main prongs of guilt as to how we come back. There could be others in various shades of this, of course. But for the sake of this morning, there's only two main highways in which we come to the place where we are to pick up this load of the past that neutralizes us in this day. One of them, one road, we learn it. We learn how to be guilty and to feel guilty. This is a feeling that we learn, by and large, more than the other feelings that we have. And if you're a good student, you pick it up right readily and real easily, and you pick it up so easily that you hardly realize uh, that you've even had a course in it. And it just sort of comes on you because you just relate to it just, just real, real well. And, and in fact, you're quite early in your life, you're so proficient at it in all probability that you're ready to pass your knowledge on to someone else. Now, <clears throat> this is Father's Day. Welcome, fathers. <clears throat> but suppose your wife said to your kid, now, kid, you go out and cut the grass. This is Father's Day. Now, because your father's getting a little age on him now, I hope my wife said this to my son, your, your father's getting a little age on him now, he may be out there and have a heart attack. Now, you get out there and do that. Well, kid, he just sits around and looks at mom, you know. No dad, he gets out there and does it, you know. And just a little later on, maybe five or ten years from now, old dad does die with a heart attack. He's already hit son, you know. Maybe I contributed to that. And you know, if you don't, son, if you don't get out there, if you don't get out there and cut that grass, I, uh, you, you should be ashamed of yourself. Now there it is, you see. There it is. You should be ashamed of yourself if you don't. You're going to say to the kid, get out there and cut that grass, and if you don't cut that grass, you're not going to be able to sit down for a while. You know. But we deal on the emotional situation, you see. We don't believe today in punishment. Kid, if you don't get out there and cut that grass, I'm going to tie you to the stake. And give you ten lashes. Well, you see, that would be better than to load us up emotionally like this for something that breaks down ten years from now or fifteen years from now. We learn it. And we use it to manipulate people. Why, if, you, if your mother knew that you were doing this, why uh, should you be ashamed of you? You know. Look, kid, if you do this again, I'm going to take a hand to you like your father would, you know. It would be better to do that than it would be to deal with the emotional load that comes later on to give us this, this guilt feeling that, uh, that we can pick up and, and neutralize us. I remember, and there's all kinds of shades of things in this one, a young lady, 20, 22, 23 years of age, was wanting to leave home and get her own, do her own thing, establish her own apartment, do whatever young people want to do today. And the mother said to her, well now, you can't, I, you know my weak heart, and you know who's going to go to the grocery, who's going to do this, who's going to do the other. And the, and the daughter comes at this age trying to find some solution to her problem. The mother manipulating her daughter the daughter leaves home. You see, the daughter was smart enough to know that if I leave home, something does happen. I'm, I'm going to have a problem. You know, I'm going to have a problem. As if we brought our children into the world to take care of us the rest of our days, you know. 
and then we lay a guilt load upon them. We can't come right out and say what's in our, in our mind and our heart and, and talk straight forward. You see, well, we learn it. Second thing. Second way we usually come about this gift film, the code of living that is imposed upon us uh, that we accept or we don't accept it, or we accept part of it or we don't accept it, you know. Uh, a type of a code of living that uh, by and large that uh, we can appreciate, but much of it we cannot appreciate. In fact, it has been so in the past within a church that anything that uh, people are doing to have a good time to really to be enjoyed laughing and really enjoying one another, you just knew it was sinful because religion couldn't be that happy, you know. You couldn't enjoy it like that. And so we've got this concept that if it's, if it's anything that's wonderful, it's good, and, and we can enjoy it with our soul and with our life, well, there must be something sinful about it. And it's a code of ethics that is uh, stamped upon us. You've got to do it in this, this way or that way or it's not right. And then we've got to... We've got to connect some things to that, you see. Now, let me be specific. Here some years ago, it has been a long time ago, but it seems like only yesterday to me, I had the privilege of being for many years the minister at uh, Audubon Park Methodist Church. Well, it was there the year that they widened the highway there, pop level road. Turned in from a little old two-lane highway about like ours here to a big, spacious four-lane highway. Just beautiful. You know, just a beautiful situation over there. And they had uh, traffic all there. You could only drive, I think it was 20 miles an hour. Maybe it was 25. I'll stretch it a little. 25. Well, after they finished that thing, I was coming out of town, you know, and it was this nice, big four-lane highway. And I was just coming along doing about twice them, about 40. Well, 45, maybe. <laughs> you know. And I looked in the mirror... Just before I got to the church and there, guess who was following me? I knew I had it. So I wasn't planning to drop into the church, but I did. I turned into the church and he's right behind me, you know. And he got down, you know, the parking lot there at church and I got out and he said, Say, are you the minister of this church? I said, Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> I sure am. And so he said, Well, he said, I'm not going to give you a ticket this time. He said, But if you were a good citizen, you wouldn't break the law. There it is, right there, y'all. Kid, if you really loved me, you'd get your hair cut. Kid, if you really did love me and, and wasn't a disgrace to our parents, you to me, you'd uh, go out here and you would wear the proper kind of clothes. You know. Now you've loaded it up properly. See, you've learned so well in the past how to be a pro at feeling guilty that you're passing it on to your child, you know, immediately. You're giving, you're loading him up too. You're, you're fixing him for, for the day and for, for years to come. And in all probability, he's going to pass it on to his too, you know. The clinker comes that the gun is sort of loaded today. And someone out here or something 10 years from now, 15 years from now, pulls the trigger on it. And you wonder why life has gone out. You feel so guilty about whatever it might be and you can't get rid of it. Well, it's learned and it's a code of ethics. Second thing, if you're going to be a pro, you've got to consider. You know, there's some reasons for feeling guilty. There's a payday, you know, sort of a twisted type of payday that you get out of feeling guilty. Now, that's a fact and there's not a psychiatrist or psychologist who disagree with that statement. As strange as it might sound, 
the truth of it is, to some degree, we like to feel guilty. Because, you see, if I am really feel guilty about the past, I don't have to accept the responsibility for this moment. Now, tomorrow I'll feel guilty about today. But I don't have to do anything today, you know, uh, to bother myself too much. I don't have to make the most of my opportunities. I don't have to see this day as a great day that it really is. I don't have to really to be aware of these golden opportunities that come to me in this moment. I can be completely passive to them. Pass them all by. Just be a thing. Worrying about what I did yesterday. It's a real excuse for not growing too, you know. Growing can be a frightening situation, you see, to have to get out to do, to go, to come. And have to face all these opportunities, knowing full well that many of them will not work out. And you may wind up looking like a fool somewhere, someplace. They may fail. And so if I'm locked on the path, I don't have to worry about growing anymore. I can just be what I am today, and that's it. Or I can transfer the responsibility of myself to someone else by feeling guilty of what has happened. And the act of feeling guilty... If I do it properly, in a nice way, I can show that I'm really, I really know better, and I'm really sincere about the situation. I think about my friend that I see from the other church that comes here to play ball. He's a wonderful fellow and a great churchman, but he's a problem like me. Sometimes he's talking when he ought to keep his mouth shut, you know. And I remember one time in board meeting or something, was in a meeting, and he was on one side and I was on the other, and we was trying to make sense out of the situation, and he didn't make any sense, and neither did I. You know, thank God for other people, you know, <clears throat> that are around sometimes. And uh, he got really heated about the situation, and he got carried away just a little bit. And so after two or three days, he thought about it, and he came back, and he said, Preacher, he says, I really am serious about the position that I took, but I didn't have to say it the way that I, I said it to you. He said, that was uncalled for, and I, and I apologize for it. I said, you really feel bad about it, huh, Bobby? Yeah, I really do. I said, well, I'll tell you. A T-bone steak dinner will take care of it perfectly for me. <laughs> he said, well, now, wait a minute, preacher. He said, I don't feel that guilty. <laughs> well, that's right. You see, now, that's the way to handle the situation. There's nothing wrong with... But if you handle it that way, you're too mature. You know darn well you're too mature. You're too mature. You, you can't do it. You've got to be a little bit more neurotic about the situation, you see. You've got to leave it there and let it smolder and, and let it burn and let it gnaw at you until at last you come to the place you don't know who you are and where you are or what you're doing. Then also, the reason for feeling guilty, why it's the next thing to be in love sort of a synthetic type of love. It's a substitute for love. If you can't get love, next best thing is try to get somebody to feel sorry for you. And so you feel real guilty about it. Oh, I've done a bad thing. You know, I'm really in remorse about it. You know, to show that you really, you really know better and you're really trying to do better, you see, and people are going to feel sorry for you. Now, <clears throat> to move in just a little deeper. Now, here's where it really comes through at a deep level. Now, you see, you've really got to feel guilty about what God has done. When it comes to a man, then you've got to feel guilty about your manhood. 
You got to feel guilty because you like to come, to go, to do. You like to hunt, you like to fish, you like to play golf. You like to do all those things that drives your wife nuts. And so you've got to feel guilty because you like to take care of the flowers or fix a garden or, or just read or just be at ease, just sit in a chair, just enjoy life. You've got to feel guilty because you are the way that God made you. Now this is pretty deep down. You know, this is pretty subtle. You don't come out, you don't come out and talk about this. To really be a pro about it, you've got to sort of keep it hid. But much of your frustration can come from feeling guilty being what God created. Now, if you're a woman, you've got to do the same thing, you see. You've got to come to the place at a deep level within your life that you're either ashamed and feel guilty that you are the way that God made you. Now, you would like to be like someone else. But he made you in this particular way. You know, there are some people that I, I, I would just love to be like. I'd just like to be able to sit down in a rocking chair and just sit there for a whole day. Why do I have to wake up at 5.30 every morning? And why do I have to get out of bed six days a week at no later than 6.30? I'd like to be like some other people, sleep at 10 o'clock. Wouldn't that be nice? You've got to feel guilty about the way that you are. you always got to look at someone else. Now, the secret to this is you always look at someone else and compare yourself with them, see? If you don't like to fish, you like to, you know, you say, well, I wish I liked to fish. You know, I can't be what God created me to be. Now you're getting on to it, brother, and you're getting down to the place where you're going to really be a pro if you're not, you're not careful. There's a payday here, you know. You always compare yourself with someone else and come up guilty. Now, in the last few minutes we have together, to really get in really deep and be really a pro at this, there's two or three no-nos more that you need to consider. Now, these are no-nos in the rankest order. You, you, can't, you can't afford to fool around with these, you see. You can't afford to see that guilt immobilizes you. You can't afford to see that the guilt that you have over yesterday or yesterday's yesterday is a thing that keeps you from being what God wants you to be today. And in that sense, it is sinful. But now you can't think of guilt as being sinful, you see. You, you can't afford to do that. Because if you do, you're going to do something about it. You see, you can't afford to see that you, because of guilt, that you're sort of frozen in possession. A friend of mine fell and hurt her shoulder. And through that, something calcimized or something in there and that she cannot move her shoulder joint there. Now the doctor told her she's going to the hospital this week and she's going to be put to sleep because of the pain that's going to be connected with it. And the doctor somehow or another are going to break that joint free again. Sometimes it's almost that painful to get rid of guilt and to deal with it properly. You cannot afford to think of this moment. Now, folks, you can't afford to think of this moment. You can't afford to think of being in God's house. You can't afford to think of being with God's people. You can't afford to think of being numbered among those and with those who love the Lord Jesus Christ. 
You can't afford to think about being committed to a personal Savior and Lord that loves you just the way that you are. Now, you can't afford to think about it. You can't afford to think about the love that your friends have for you. You can't afford to think about the respect that they have. You can't afford to think about what they expect of you. You can't afford to think about the love that you have in your heart for the Lord Jesus Christ. And you can't think about how you want to express that to your friends and, and those that you love. You can't think about how I can take from my heart this intense feeling that I have and love for the Lord and love for my fellow man and make it work in a situation among God's people. Now be careful. That's a no-no. You, you can't afford to come to, to deal with the love that is truly within your heart and your soul, you see, and how, how to get it out and how to make it work. Now it's really dangerous grounds when you come here. You can't, let, you can't let your mind think about what God did when he sent the Lord Jesus Christ to us. You can't think about what Jesus did when he came into the world, let himself be crucified, and nailed to a cross. Now you can't, you can't, uh, you can't afford to really to think about that. You can't think about what Jesus told us about the story when he talked about the prodigal son. How a son left his father, took everything he had, spent it, and, and went busted, and did everything evil and everything that was contrary to what was good in the world. And when he was down and out, he returned home, and the father rolled out the red carpet for him and didn't even ask him where he spent his money or where he'd been. Took him back completely and totally. Accepted him, though he smelt like a pig and looked like one because he had been living in a pig pen. But now you can think about that. You can't think about that you've got a father that loves you like that. See? And you can't think about the Lord Jesus Christ when he told about the shepherd with a flock of sheep and he said one of them was lost. Now if one of ours was lost, we'd go out and look for it a couple of hours and then we'd give it up as a bad job and come home. But Jesus said he went out and looked for the sheep one day, two days, three weeks until he found it. I guess he'd have been out there still looking for that sheep if he had not found it yet. That's the emphasis of the story. But now you can't believe that. You can't believe that you're so important to the Lord Jesus Christ that he would leave everything else in order to reach out to you and to bring you back to him. You can't believe in what Paul said. Why he says here, he says, it's no longer my righteousness. He says, all this business of doing all this stuff and doing all this that the Pharisees are doing and all of the Sadducees and all of them rolled together, all this stuff. He says, I kept it to, to the letter. He says, I was perfect in it. But you can't believe that stuff, he said. And he says, I threw it all out as garbage. He says, the only thing that's really meaningful is my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. When I look out, friend, if you come there, you're going to get religion real quick. If you really believe that the Lord Jesus Christ has done everything that is necessary to be done for you to give you access to the kingdom of God and all you have to do is believe in him. Well, now, yeah, that's dynamite, you know. If you're going to be a pro at worrying, you can't believe that junk. Paul says, I wipe it all off. Mere garbage. Every bit of it. There's only one thing that is meaningful to me, and that is my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ because it is in him that I am saved and that I am righteous. Oh, 
That's right. And you don't ever want to sing or even think about the lines of that old hymn, My sins. Oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, oh, my soul. Isn't that wonderful? That's the way that it really is. But if you believe that stuff, friend, you're not going to feel guilty too long. Because you're going to be able to see that what was yesterday is eternally locked with God. Sealed. Forever. It's gone. All your weeping, all your crying will not change a bit of it. Let it be. Let it be. It's gone forever. This very moment, again, I have. I have. I can turn all my senses on it. I can turn everything within me on this beautiful moment that I have. It's all that I have, really. Tomorrow I do not have. Yesterday is gone. But today, we have what we have. Think in your mind, in your heart, in your soul. At this very moment, what God has given to you and what access you have through the Lord Jesus Christ to the whole panorama of life, not only today, but for the life that is yet to be. And in the Lord Jesus Christ, my friends, he has already said, everything is a-okay. Now, if you believe that, you're not going to feel guilty about tomorrow regardless of what it was. That don't make any difference what it was. How bad, how good, how indifferent, or whatever it was. That's the way that it was. But it has nothing to do with this hour. I can be totally, completely, and wonderfully knowledgeable of the Lord Jesus Christ and what he's done for me and what he's done for me and what I can do today in his name. Your soul is free, freed from guilt and free from worry in order to be able to be the total person God intended for you to be at this hour. And the only one that's keeping you from being that person, if anyone is, is only you. Oh, our God, help us then that we might respond to thee the way that you intended for us to do so we ask it in the name of Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening. Hope you were blessed. We pray the Holy Spirit will make you a doer of his words, finishing the work he started in making you more like Christ for the transformation of this world and preparation for heaven.